0: Father, so we pray as we enter this time of of reading scripture, of of the declaration of your word, Father, that you're honored and glorified in it, that you're in our midst, if there's anybody in this this place or anyone who can hear my voice that hasn't met you, that doesn't have a relationship with you, that today can be the day that changes and they can be welcomed into the family of God. God, we love you. We thank you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you'd remain standing with me and uh, read with us as we read today's scripture. It says, But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it?
1: Welcome to Grandview Baptist Church. Um, There's a new movie, if you guys like to watch movies, called The Jesus Revolution. Uh, That is the last awakening or revival that has happened uh, here. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of controversy surrounding it, but, um, you know, that's expected of how the Lord started it's playing, from what I hear, in our theaters. Uh, I would encourage you to go see it, for it is the last one that you'll learn if you go to seminary or Bible college of uh, an awakening or something that the Lord has done in our midst um, at a large scale. So I encourage you to go see it. At this time, I um, also wanted to share with you that... Um, um we've been having uh, quite a few sick people, so it's great to see you guys back. And, um, uh, you know, there'll be the Mexican theme for, for Jeremy uh, next week as they leave. Uh, please keep them in our prayers. And uh, we have a full month of events coming up towards Easter um, on the 19th, if you're interested of uh, uh, right after service on the 19th if you're interested in being a member of this church I will have a member orientation time for about half an hour to discuss some things for those who are interested and um, uh, you know we will have uh, a soup salad and, and bread uh, on on Good Friday and a Good Friday service where you will hear from seven uh, people from our church uh, give a personal testimony on the seven sayings of Jesus so I would encourage you to attend as well And then we celebrate the Lord's uh, victory on Easter as well. So please invite as many people as um, you know. On each uh, uh, first Sunday of each month, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, we have been working on spiritual disciplines and areas of life that you are spirit-formed. When you look at life as a whole, some people measure life by time. And they say, oh, that person lived 60 years, and that person 40, and that person 85, and so forth. And some people will describe life as more important on the events that they did in their own life. And they'll say, well, you know, look at his life or her life and they begin to enumerate events that took place. Well, for us who are no longer bound by time, and for us who, uh, you know, events are still very important, what is one of the aspects that we can begin to describe our own lives? And that is, well, the moment that I... Came to the Lord. The moment that I had an experience with the Lord. So if we were to to look at life. Into the newness of life. There was a time when we were birthed of the Spirit of God. We were born again. There was a time when we have experienced the feeling. In feeling of our Lord. In time we have noticed the fruits of the Spirit within our life. We were able to. Pass and be sanctified and heard those were in our time. Some people may remember when they were baptized because it was a special event. Some people may uh, remember when they received power uh, for a call or something that the Lord uh, has uh, asked them to do and how the Holy Spirit empowered them and clothed them with power. And if all of those things are at the center of God's will and the Holy Spirit and our Lord Jesus, you say, well, if I'm a spiritual being, then what is my personality, my responsibility as a spiritual being? And this is an area we call spiritual formation or being spirit formed. And so far we looked at celebrating the Lord's table as a spiritual discipline or being formed by the Spirit of God. And that's why we observe it. We also looked at feeding on God's Word. And that's one of the reasons why we're reading as a church together through God's Word. We're reading as families together and we're praying and we're meeting around that reality. Today, wow. Today we're going to look at living in the power of your baptism. And this is a uh, this is a spiritual uh, formation area or a discipline that it is extremely powerful. But before we begin I want to ask what what does the word baptism mean or to be baptized? Just a simple definition. When you think of baptism, what does it mean? Submerged, Submerged. Okay. immersed. Anyone else has any other?
0: Identify yourself with
1: it. Okay, proclaiming. proclaiming. Yeah. Well, just simply, it means to dip, to make wound, to immerse or submerge. But it also means to cleanse or purify by washing. So, very simple meaning. Unfortunately, as a Baptist, the more you learn about baptism, the more you can be called a legalist. And how is that the case? As we can see, there is an outer form of... Baptism, and then there's an inner reality of baptism, and because of that, we have to define this term. What does the church define the Lord's Table and baptism as? So sacrament. So we have to look at sacraments. Do, do the Baptists call it sacraments? No. no. What do the Baptists call it? Ordinance. Ordinance. But then we have Protestants that also call it sacraments. As you can see, you only need humans to begin to change definitions and redefine words and begin to alter things. Now, to, to make you understand why would a Catholic or an Orthodox call it a sacrament, why would a Protestant also call it a sacrament and it doesn't mean the same thing, But they use the same word. And why would a Baptist call it an ordinance? Well, as you can see in both the Catholic and the Orthodox faith, they have how many sacraments? Seven. Seven. Now, this is not a a sermon to see whether we should have seven or two. Uh, Most of the, actually, all of the Protestant world only observes two of them. And that is the Lord's Table and Baptism. But as you can see there, they are. Do you know why they're slightly different? Because when the when the Orthodox and the Catholics split, they said, Well, how are you making your cross? Like this. Oh, from the head you go to the you go to the left, we'll go to the right. And they said, Well, we you know, we both use baptism. Oh, you're you're using reconciliation, confession, we're going to use the term penance. So there's some things that are not exactly the same because they wanted to differentiate themselves according to the differences that they've had. Isn't that something that could be true about us today? You know, because we have a certain way of thinking of things and we think we're better and we're more right than another person. We begin to imply things even in something that it's God originated. And it's unfortunate that this chasm and division happens. As you look at the word sacrament, it's derived from Latin and it literally means to take an oath of allegiance, and it's a sacred ritual. A pastor says, as a declaration that trust is being placed in the potential power of the exercise that faith is being made manifest by the action taken. Now, here is the difference between the Catholic sacrament and the Protestant sacrament. In the Catholic Church, when you take the Lord's Supper or Communion, That event in itself has power. That's how they define the word sacrament. In the Protestant church, when you take the Lord's Supper, it says you approach it by faith because you have a relationship with the Father. The Father releases and he does what? Participates in this provision of the sacrament that he's made. And this is how... You are blessed by it. So it's not actual the event itself. The event itself only represents the participation of two parties. And it it comes with the origination of God and with the response of faith by us. Guess what happens? When you take it to put more power on the elements themselves, you begin to eliminate the relational aspect the origin of it, and as a response of faith. So that's why when a Catholic or an an Orthodox use the word sacrament, they're redefining its meaning. And do you know why it came that way? It's because they bickered and they argued against each other. So we, when we reformed, we took it back to its original meaning of that very word. Now, ordinance means that we simply believe that it's a symbolic aspect of this reality. So this is where the Baptists have have taken it that far. And that's why you will see those words. Now, I know this technical stuff may bore you, but just so you will be... uh, So you'll be a little bit familiar when you speak to people from different areas. How many of you have heard of a guy named Erasmus? You know, instrumental to us getting the New Testament. Today, he was the first editor. And uh, this is what he, you know, just one of his quotes, what he says, I take it that every Christian delivers himself up wholly to God in his baptism when he renounces all the pomps and vanities of Satan and enlists himself as a soldier to fight under Christ's banner all his life after. Now, funny thing is, if you ask today a regular Christian baptism, do you think this is the type of answer they will give you? No. But maybe he's a Christian too, this guy. Right? And so are we. Right? And we we got to look at how those things have happened and how we've grown to be so far apart. Because the focus of this study will be in how is this a spiritual disciplines. I will now go into the detail of the methods of how you should be baptized. When you should be baptized. How uh, covenantal theology areas of you know, arguments and friction within, within the Protestant. That will be another sermon or two or three because, you, you know, this is an area of, of a lot of turmoil, but not for today. Today we're going to look at, a, at it at a most simplistic way. Now, I was going to tell you something about Erasmus, but I'm not sure how many of you are interested in church history, so I'll move forward as, uh, you know, I know that's not necessarily something that people enjoy but let's say, how important is baptism? Very? Okay. This is the great commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples. I even put it color-coded. Why do you think those words are in green? Yeah, they, they, they're, they're predicate and verbs there. And, uh, and uh, we see go is the initial one. Go. And then we have a result. Make disciples, baptizing them. So making disciples and baptizing seem to be pretty important. The reason why I say this, there's a side of the Protestant church that says, you know, we don't need to partake in any of those things because they're just meaningless ritualistic aspects. We are very spiritual and therefore we're so spiritual we'll not partake of any of this. (laughs) right now listen how these people really claim well i do have the spirituals and it's great that they do and i'm not trying to even doubt that they don't but by the very conclusion they come in they're telling me they're spiritual giants they disobey a command from scriptures So, the baptism is an important event. Now, does baptism save? No? Man, I I know you guys are good students, and it's true, baptism doesn't save, but it's unfortunately one of those yes and no answer. And the reason why I say yes, baptism doesn't save, but it proclaims that you are saved and being saved and will be saved. Right? It proclaims that reality, but the baptism itself does not save. Yes, that's true. Now, it's like saying, well, you know what? I'm only going to take the, the starter, one little piece out of your car. Will your car be working? <laughs> huh? Or you can say, well, I'm going to do even worse. I'm just going to take the, 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 the hose that brings gasoline to your engine and just take it off. Will your car work? Right, so we have to be careful. We have, you know, we speak about the Catholics and the Orthodox. We have gotten so legalistic that we can begin to do all sorts of things like this. And then we're wondering, why isn't the car working? Into our approach to these things between, between God and you. So let's take back this reality That baptism has to deal with a relationship and an aspect where you and I are blessed for the rest of our life in it. So therefore, what does it mean to live in the power of my baptism? Hmm. Let's look at that. How can we live more fully in the power of those principles as Jesus' disciples? What does it mean to live the baptized life? What does it mean to move beyond being introduced and baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ's body? Number one, obedience. Why obedience? First thing that you do as having a relationship with God is you realize Jesus is the and the way. So, did Jesus need to be baptized for the forgiveness of his sins? So, what does he answer, John the Baptist? To fulfill all righteousness. righteousness. One of those aspects is to give us the way. An example, let's look back to understand that this has nothing to do with being a part. What is this a picture of? Tabernacle, Tabernacle. we've been going over it. Do you see that's supposed to be before the, the, the bronze altar? A gate, an opening? What did John the Baptist say and do? I am a voice in the desert crying. Prepare. The way of the Lord, right? Our entrance, you know, is to prepare, to be aware. Hey, there is God. Where do we ultimately want to get in that intimacy with, with God? Into the Most Holy or the Holy of Holies, right? That is where we all want to be. Uh, so people thought, and then no one wanted to go there because they died, some of them. So, you know, but nonetheless, you come in, you prepare the way, you have the bronze altar which represents the sacrifice. It is there where you meet your your Savior, Jesus Christ and him crucified. I want to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him Crucified. crucified. The Holy Spirit brings you into that truth, into that relationship. You have to respond to it, you know. Jesus is that sacrifice, but as a priest would walk into reaching the most holy place, beyond the altar was a basin. What did the priest do in the basin? Wash. Wash. I want to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus says, I am showing you step by step why this righteousness is fulfilled. I will take that step because I will be your high priest. Priest, so as, as you can see, Jesus is not telling us that all righteousness was fulfilled by show, by give, being the way, but it's also showing us that he's righteously doing what, submitting and obeying the design of whom, of God. So, if it's possible for you. And you believe in Jesus Christ, your first act of obedience, if you have surrendered, all you have to do, I realize then I'm a sinner, I surrender my life to you, Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior, and I'm following you. That is already enough requirement to do what? To be baptized. And that was one of your acts of obedience. Now, I want to tell you ahead of time, if I preach on baptism... I get people come over, Pastor, I wonder if I need to be rebaptized. You know what? You'll do that for the rest of your life if you're not careful, because every time you hear something new or something deeper, you're like, oops, I didn't know that when I was baptized. And immediately, somehow, something happens in people's minds, and they wonder if they need to be rebaptized. And the answer is no. Now, there should be times when you should be rebaptized. If we have time, we'll speak about that. Now, what happens for in this walk, so we define this walk, before the priest enters into holy place. Now, I made that much bigger than it is. What is that at the entrance? The flask of oil. Right? The priest had to be anointed before he moves into the holy place. Interestingly enough, the gate... The Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ, the gate represented with a bronze altar. The Holy Spirit convicting you of truth, coming before Jesus and his cross, receiving him as your Lord and Savior, presenting him as your sacrifice before the Father to be reconciled. Water baptism follows the, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the, the baptism with the Holy Spirit, baptism of water, baptism with. The first one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The second one is the baptism with the Holy Spirit. Now you enter into the holy place and you begin to function within the presence of God. This is the design. Jesus is saying, yes, let's do it to fulfill all righteousness. Guess what happens when Jesus is baptized? Is he anointed with a flask to be able to function? His ministry did not start yet. He wasn't in the holy place doing ministry. And I saw the spirit falling like a dove on him. God is involved in this process. And he's not messing up with the design. The design is there. It's the same for you and I today. But some churches say, well, let me take the bronze basin away. You don't really need to be baptized. And some churches will say, well, that's a small one too. Let's take the flask away. The anointed of oil. You don't need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You know what happens? You die if you enter there. Not only that. You even begin to do work for the Lord and you serve, and you realize everything you're doing is fruitless. There's no fruit to your ministry. So let's get back to obedience. Can you claim this for yourself? I have submitted myself in obedience to Jesus' Lordship. And this is my lifetime commitment. My will is to do His will. Why do you live in the power of your baptism? To grow in this respect. To grow into a life of submission and to grow into a life of practice. It starts with this beautiful submission, but it's not over until it's represented in a life that practices it. You know what happens with most Protestant Christians? They have the knowledge, they grow in that knowledge, they even teach that knowledge. But walking into their knowledge, it's left out. And I've met with some, even elders, who said, well, I thought that was good enough. I submit myself to Christ. I love what he's done and what he's doing. I even teach at a church or a school, and that was it. Please note the, 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 what we said. The full response is to go, is to go out. We are not a sponge. Notice the Lord said, I am the Potter; you are the clay, and I'm going to build you into a vessel. As he fills us up, we get used. Ah, we live in a day and age where most people come to church think, oh, I'm a sponge and I just need to accumulate things for myself. Boy, you're in a dangerous situation. And it's not for you to show other people how many things you've accumulated as a sponge. That doesn't give you any cookie bonus points in the kingdom. Don't be false to think better about yourself about that. Because I have my own pew here, my own seat, and I'm there faithfully every Sunday. And I even write in my journal. I have filled 20 journals if you come home over the last 30 years. And I have growing knowledge and people take false hope in that reality. That is the opposite of living in the power of your baptism. To be open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit is also Something that happens. Doesn't the Holy Spirit descend like a dove on Jesus? And as we can see, what does it say after this happens to Jesus? And the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. Who's in charge? Jesus shows us. Wow. Living in the power of my baptism is direction, guidance. Empowerment. I need to be open to the fullness of the Holy Spirit. What's the point if you were baptized and that's not a reality of your life? It's like saying, oh, I'm going to run a race tomorrow. I have a 10K race. You don't, you know, and saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to drive a nail through my toe. Two nights before. Literally, this is what you're doing. You're hurting yourself, you know, by not being open to that reality that you'll have to learn how to walk into it. Notice it's much easier to do that if you're a sponge than if you're a vessel. The Lord says, the Lord through Apostle, Apostle Peter says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This has caused much trouble over the world. And it's not because what I'm teaching you here about receiving the Holy Spirit, but it's because this has brought a division to, for churches to be so legalistic to say, were you baptized in the name of Jesus or were you baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? Uh, we won't recognize one of the baptisms versus the other. and One is better than the other. You're laughing. There's entire churches and, you know, denominations that have split over arguments like this. Emphasizing again legalism of the baptism Not letting them experience the empowerment that comes from this reality of a relationship with the Lord. Okay. Going further, what does this fuller understanding of baptism? Death of the old man. Death of the old man. It is beautiful. Why? Because when you get baptized, what are you literally doing? You are watching your memorial service. This is your memorial service. They, now you see some. You say, well, "Are those churches crazy?" Because when someone passes or goes home, they go celebration of life. You can no longer, if you're in Christ, you can no longer call it a, a memorial service. Because this is your memorial service. When you get, when you come to the Lord, baptism declares to the church, "This is my memorial service, guys." I have stepped into the resurrected life of Jesus. I will be resurrected just as Jesus. I live in that reality. I don't need you to cry when I die. I don't need you to be sorry. I want you to celebrate the life that I have in Jesus. So that's why they call it celebration of life. Living in the power of the baptism there's a part of joy. There's a part of victory. There's, you know, are those people crazy? The, now you see why Paul, Paul is, is, is beaten, bleeding in a dark, cold cell. And him and his companion, after they got beaten and abused, they're, they're joyfully singing to the Lord. And the, and the guy who put them there is like, something's wrong with these people. They should be crying. They should be worrying about their life if they're going to be sentenced to death tomorrow by the judge. What are, he had to go see what's wrong with these guys. They're singing, they're happy, and they're joyful. And he gets saved. So the death of all men. We were buried. Do you think you need to do that on a regular basis? Yes. Deny self how often? daily pick up your cross how often so living in the power of your baptist it's a daily reality that's how we got our name as baptists not because we're legalistic it has to be full submersion all the time or it's not a baptism and it has to be done this way that's not why we are baptists What's more important, for you to live in your old self and say, oh, I was baptized the right way. The pastor even kept me three seconds on the water for every day that Jesus was in the, you know, for, for every day Jesus day was, in, you know, in the grave. Or for someone to see that they live in this power of the baptism where they're a new in newness of life because they're dead to their old life. Which, you know, count, which, one's, which one's more Baptist? The one who was dunked or the one who wasn't dunked but lives in that reality? You be the judge. You know, when you go to a funeral, uh, as they lower the casket into the ground, what do you say? What do they say? We commit. Right? They use this word commit. Interesting phrase how it popped to me. We commit. You know, similarly, I'm looking at this. My and your commitment to Jesus Christ is manifest in the reality and willingness to say for all my remaining years of my life, I shall be dead to my past and my all carnal ways. The power of baptism tells me goodbye. I was an adulterer, I was a fornicator, I was a cheater, I was I stole, I lied, I gossiped. Goodbye. It shows what? Power. It shows that you have power. The reality of Jesus because you have power to do what? To commit yourself that way. Some people still haven't come to that place where they can do that because they're still in the chain of sin and the chain of sin has now been broken and they're still kept in the water. Man, my life is... That's why these guys are so happy. That's why these guys are so joyful. That's why these guys sing, even though they may be sick, even though they may go through a hardship, is because there's a release of life that happens when Jesus comes in. I bring life and life abundantly. But this also moves, this is half of the coin. The other half of the coin is that you get. Dunked into the water representing your dead to your old self, you get pulled out representing that you are resurrected into his resurrected life by you now walk in newness of life. What does that mean? I will rise again. I'm no longer looking at the time in um, place i'm no longer gripped by the fear of death and it doesn't mean you won't struggle with it getting older will bring you that reality Do- we have doctors around who will remind you of that reality you'll start having cabinets of pills but the lord clearly tells us as you'll get older in ecclesiastes that one of your internal organs will eventually fail So don't be surprised. You know, I, I, I pastored in a Japanese church, and I had this, this uh, pharmacist, and, you know, he was 96 years old. And he was coming and said, you know, I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you know, wow, you're doing great. And I go, no, I don't feel that great. Look, this is not working that well. This is not. He said, and the doctor said to me, well, what do you expect? You're 96 years old. He's like, 96, but things didn't work as well as when I was 60 and when I was 20. He's like, you know, he says, and I told him that he needs to fix it. He said, and the doctor said, I can't fix it. You're 96 years old. There's nothing I can do. And now he comes to the pastor for me to do something because he's 96 years old. And by now he's probably 102 and still going. And I had this fellowship and all of them were between 80 and 100 plus. And it's strange, not one of them was afraid of death. But do you know what their fear was? I don't want the Lord to take away my mind and not to recognize my son, my husband, my wife, my daughter. I, they actually prefer that the Lord will take them. I don't want someone to wipe me and to carry me and to do this. I'd rather have the Lord take me than to live that way. So it is strange from, from, from places to places as you go. You know, in you know, some church, and yeah, people are afraid of dying and disease. In this church, they weren't afraid about that. They were afraid about making sure that they still have their mind before the Lord takes them home. This was the most common prayer that they had for me as uh, aging people in that church. Romans 8, 11 tells us, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. To live the baptized life means allowing the life-giving spirit of God to resurrect you on a daily basis, lifting you above the dead habits of the past. What does this mean? You and I are in constant need of counseling. No wonder the Holy Spirit is called the comforter and the counselor. So learning how to walk in the Spirit is coupled with living in the power of the baptism. Because we ought to realize that that's a daily event. Any of you have any dead habits of your past that you can associate with? None of you? Wow, I do. So, uh, of the past and into newness of life for today and for tomorrow. You know... There's people who say, "Well, I just want to do well. Well, I just don't want to sin." The baptism puts you in a place to say, "You know what? I am weak and I was weak, but I look forward for tomorrow for that sin won't grip me and be outside of my life." Now. Unfortunately, my time has come to an end, so I won't be able to give you the biggest reason how in the Old Testament it is not the ritual washing that represented baptism, but it is circumcision. So I guess I will have to wait for a second part where I will speak to you of some other part about the circumcision of heart and how that represents walking in the, in, in the power of your baptism and also the power of deliverance. You know what's strange? We started that way and what I have found out that it is exactly in Baptist churches that they lack the knowledge of living in the power of the baptism. It's funny, and we carry that in the name itself. I guess there's an enemy at work. We will not be able to go through this, but I'll end with this part. What guides the new- newness of life? What makes people crazy and joyful? And what drove them? Why is there power in their baptism? Listen to how it ends. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were open to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Behold, a voice from heaven said... This is my beloved son with whom I am. Would you like? Have you heard? Do you need something more? Why are you joyful? Because I have died. And I, I resurrect into the life of, of Jesus. his resurrected. Life. What does that mean? I heard the Lord say, this is my... Do you want affirmation from God Almighty to say that you're His beloved daughter? That you're His beloved son? How... And you say, well, well, I'm downcast, I'm in fear, I'm in this. How can you be not living in the power of your baptism when in Christ you ought to hear, this is my beloved son? Is there something more wonderful about you than God saying that to you, that you're his daughter or his son? Isn't that a wonderful fact and reality of your life? In Christ, this voice comes to me. Why? Because baptism now puts me in a life. Hebrews eleven six. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Baptism, living in the power of the baptism says, People, you may think I don't think right. You may look at me and I'm in pain, but I'm joyful. You you, you have not heard the Lord And you have not experienced being taken from satisfying the flesh and chasing the things of the flesh and living in the life of faith. A sponge takes you back into a life of flesh and tries to assimilate the things of the flesh in it. You don't need that knowledge. It's good. But just to step for one moment, outside of the grip of fear, outside of the fear of death, outside of the sin that cripples, outside of the pain that's around you, the, the, the evil that's down you, the downcast that comes upon you, and to be embraced by the beautiful voice of your Father, your eternal Father. Do you think it's important that we live in the power of our baptism? You may put yourself down, others may, your wife may, your husband may, life may throw things at you. But man, do I hold in my heart this is my beloved. What's going to guide me? Follow me. What's my assurance? This is my beloved. Son. Are you able to fight uh, to, to to fight this fight and to live through life with that reality? Without faith, you can't experience that reality. Water baptism is not just a church trad- tradition. I had a conclusion here. It is a miracle moment. In it, I obey the Lordship of Jesus. In it, I welcome the Holy Spirit. In it, I bury my past. In it, my heart is circumcised so new life power and God's full, fullest promise, promise for my life might be realized in it. In it, every bondage and every yoke is broken, and my future is open up to the abundant life of Christ, that I may raise up and walk in the life-giving power of my living Savior. Now, I tried, I mean, this is a lot. This is uh, four hours of sermon. tried to put a paragraph on how to summarize it uh, for you here. Uh, living in the power of your baptism... It's a lifelong process.
0: That's what it is.
1: And I hate.